You're listening to More Than Talk, where each week we speak with faith-filled individuals who are influencing the world around them. As you hear their story, we know that you'll not only be inspired, but you'll be challenged to do more than just talk. Hi, I'm Rebecca Pratt, and today I'm hosting Rochelle Townhauser. Rochelle is a provisional psychologist and is currently completing a Master's of Educational and Developmental Psychology. Rochelle works with international students in residential care and as a third culture kid herself, this demographic is close to her heart. Having travelled to various parts of the world and experiencing much change in her early life, a phrase that often returns to Rochelle is the courage to stand alone. And this is something we're going to discuss in today's episode. There are times in our life where we can find ourselves making a decision to go one way while everyone else is going another, or standing for something that not everyone else is standing for. As Rochelle unpacks her story, we discover that these kinds of decisions take courage. So why don't you join me for the next few moments as we hear a story of faith and risk mixed with a whole lot of wisdom and courage. Please enjoy the podcast. Rochelle, great to have you on the podcast. Great to be with you, Beck. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited for our community to hear from you today. And you are talented, intelligent, cultured, and an absolute go-getter. There are many words I can use to describe you, but maybe to start, do you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sounds great. I mean, I'm going to have to come back more often if um, if I get those kinds of adjectives. <laughs> when I'm now, I've got something to live up to, okay. Um, So I am a provisional psychologist. I was uh, registered just earlier this year, actually. I'm doing a Master of Educational and Developmental Psychology um, at Monash University. And that's Mm. something that I'd love to touch on a little bit because it definitely hasn't been an A to B direct Mm. kind of journey, that's for sure. Yeah. in terms of my background, I mean, I'm a third culture kid, mm-hmm. probably something that a lot of people are part of NUMA and maybe listening from elsewhere can relate to. I was not born in Australia. Mm. I was born in the US. My mum is American, French, Canadian, and my dad wow. is Australian Dutch. Wow. So, <laughs> lots of excitement in the family and different traditions. Um, so, I guess in a lot of ways that's that's influenced my interests and probably Mm. my values and the way I spend my time. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that probably gives you a bit of a snapshot of the things I'm I'm interested in. What makes me me? (laughs) Yeah. And what are you currently doing today? What does study and work look like for you at the moment? So I'm full-time studying, um, but I'm also part-time working. So I'm a boarding house supervisor Mm. and have done kind of contract work on the side in different areas like media and communications. And you've been studying for a while, haven't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, um, I'm actually, so next week I'm meeting with some supervisors to try and prepare a PhD proposal. Wow. And so I was sitting there trying to calculate how many years then would I be studying? And I think I figured out it would mean that I'd done 11 years by the end of that process. Oh, wow. I I wish you could give me some of your enthusiasm to study because I definitely need it. Um, But what made you want to study psychology? Were you particularly interested in it or was it an experience maybe that led you down this path? Mm, uh, All of the above, I'd have to say. Mm. I think I have such a a curious mind and I want to understand things that are complex and I like to problem solve. 
And I think Mm. one of the most dynamic problems to solve is how people think and feel and relate to the world and then how that plays out in systems as well. Um, Mm. So I think that's just so fascinating and there's so much that we don't know. So as I kind of learn more and more about it, I've discovered as well that it really, um, it, it matches psychology matches kind of biblical principles mm. and even the ideas of kind of uh, acceptance and commitment and empathy and, and I feel like they have a lot of biblical themes so anyway that's kind of tangential like it, no I love it it's something it's um the more I learn about it the more passionate I become wow. but also on kind of a personal level there have been lots of different things in my life that have might sound dramatic but kind of broken me down or humbled me mm. and I really wanted to understand in practical ways, how do you pick yourself back up? What does resilience look like? Mm. How do you relate to people well and live a meaningful life? So it's kind of, it's, it's, it's all of the above. It's psychology itself and what it can do for people. And in some ways it's a bit personal as well. Yeah. It's amazing how much our experience and upbringing can have such an impact on what we do as well. Today we're focusing on the courage to stand alone and this is something I know that is close to your heart. You've shared with me before that the phrase the courage to stand alone is something that just often returns to you. Can you tell me why that is and what would you say standing alone looks like? I think like straight off the bat it just keeps coming back to me because life is humbling um, in a beautiful way and also in a really challenging way. Mm. And sometimes, and I'm mindful that I'm saying this in the COVID period as well, so this is going to look different for everybody, but it can be quite lonely. And so I think it takes a lot of courage Mm. to confront yourself in a way and be willing to look at yourself, see your flaws, but also see who God made you to be Mm. Um, and, and to speak your mind and to speak truth even if people aren't standing with you. And then another layer on top of that is doing that with humility and integrity and empathy and discernment and um, all those extra layers. So when you embrace who God made you to be, Mm -hmm. you can live the most fulfilled life for yourself. It's almost that pursuit of happiness idea, but I also think that you can have the biggest impact on your community around you, however big that community is. Yeah. And, you know, when I think of standing alone, I think of taking risks, you know, to go one way Mm. while everyone else is going another or to stand for something that not everyone else is standing for is a risk. And I know this is something that you've experienced and you're passionate about. Why would you say it's important for us to step out and take risks? This is something I've thought about a lot. Um, I think there are kind of underlying principles and then it would also play out uniquely in individual circumstances um, and kind of depending on the risk in front of you. But at times where I'm confronted with a choice, something that's really risky, I keep thinking, if I don't take a risk, I'm still taking a risk. Mm. It can get a little bit trippy, but no matter what you do, it's kind of like that idea that you're always being formed. So be intentional about what you choose Mm. to spend time with and what forms you. I think it's similar with risks. We're kind of lulled into a false sense of security that if we don't take a risk or if we avoid something, that we're keeping ourselves safe. But I think the perspective, or or I, I really think I'm convicted that the truth is that life is not 
safe or kind of comfortable in the way that we want it to be. And I think what we really do when we don't take risks is we numb. Mm. There's this amazing idea from Brene Brown. I'm not sure if people are very familiar with her work. She's, um, (laughs) oh my gosh, I love her so much. She's a, she has a doctorate in social work. I believe she's from Texas and she talks a lot about vulnerability and she talks a lot about belonging and all these kind of concepts that I think are interrelated. Um, But she also talks about this idea of of numbing and you can't selectively numb. If you try to numb the pain and if you do that by avoidance, avoidance of risk, avoidance of things that challenge you, you also numb the joy. Mm. Um, And that has really kind of planted itself in my mind Mm. and in my heart. And scares me more than risks do now mm-hmm. the idea the idea that I wouldn't live mm-hmm. to my full potential um that I wouldn't glorify God with my potential and with the abilities he's given me wow wow <laughs> that's incredible and Rochelle can you share with us some of the risks that you've taken over the years I know there are many and they are very inspiring but even if you could share a couple of them yeah sure well I guess in a really kind of practical bite-sized way I've with my professional networks, that's an area where I always feel really motivated to take risks. And it's kind of funny because I still find it really scary. Mm. Um, but for some reason, I, I find myself taking more risks in that kind of area. So on a really small scale, even when I was doing retail work, for example, I'd meet some really interesting people mm-hmm. um, and I'd get talking with them when they were at the counter and I'd realized that we had something in common. So, for example, I would meet psychiatrists and this is kind of early days for me training as a psychologist. Mm. And so I would ask them for their business card and I created a folder then and I wrote a little vignette, I suppose, of who I met how we kind of connected their contact details. So now I have this folder full of business cards and people I've connected with. And and so in the moment, that's kind of a small risk, but a really scary one. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found that I could probably count the times where it was awkward or where it didn't go anywhere. Like it's it's often led to something really good and been very useful Mm. um, for me, but not just serving me, also serving them in some way as well. Um, It's kind of reciprocity there. So that's a really small scale one. And I guess similarly with just Mm. being at conferences, conferences, for example, um, whether it's a professional network one, whether it's church, whether Mm. it's even introducing yourself to the pastor at the front and having someone pray for you, um, just walk up. Mm. And if there's a connection there, if you, if there's something where you feel like you're like-minded, your kindred spirits, you can encourage each other. I mean, risks can look totally different depending on the circumstance, but I think there are really small regular ones that kind of set you up and give you the habits and the discipline as well to face the larger risks and take on a challenge. Yeah. And I guess once you do it the first time, it's not as scary the second time. (laughs) And I guess if we never step out, we'll never know what's on the other side. But why do you think people are scared to take risks and to stand alone? And how have you overcome this in your life? The way I think about that is the way that I think about strengths. I kind of have this theory, um, and this is not from my professional knowledge, but just my own musings, that your greatest strength can also be your greatest weakness. Mm. So, for example, if you're really compassionate and empathetic, I think often the flip side of that is being sensitive and really carrying things, and that can be your Achilles heel. Well, I think it's kind of similar with this idea of standing alone and being courageous because we're created for community, Um, but I think the thing that can 
wound us most deeply is community as well and relationships. Yeah. I think that really scares people. So I think it's a process of overcoming. Mm -hmm. I think the little choices set you up for the bigger choices. Yeah. Kind of, it reminds me of that ad from Little Things, Big Things Grow. I just have have that singing in the the melody in my head now. Yeah. Yeah, I know, right? I think as well, I. I like to give myself visual reminders in my kind of safe personal settings at home. So Mm. I have a whiteboard and I write on it most days and I leave up a message to kind of challenge or encourage myself. One that's been on my desk for a really long time is just the question, what would you do if you weren't afraid? Mm -hmm. And I try to ask myself that each time a risk presents itself when I'm nervous about something. It's a way that I can kind of focus and quiet the noise and go, okay, because often we know, Mm. we know what we would do if we didn't feel X, Y, Z, or if we weren't afraid of losing something that we already have. Mm -hmm. Again, tangential, I'm verbose, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I love it, please. We want all your wisdom because I just think that you've taken so many risks and stepped out and, you know, even in, as you said, in high school and then put putting all of these mentors in a folder and looking back now, I'm sure you're still in contact with many of them. Rochelle, it's just awesome. And I'm so glad our community can hear this. And I'm taking on so much of your (laughs) advice right now. I think I'm going to go and write a little post-it saying, what would you do if you would not be afraid? But I guess before we finish, what would your advice be to those that are wanting to stand alone so as you mentioned Mm. not in the sense of having no one else in their life but those that are wanting to Mm. uh you know step out in courage and stand for something that maybe not everyone else is standing for or try something new or even lead in a particular space what would your advice be (laughs) um this one might feel a little bit left to field so i might have to explain it a little bit but essentially i think the best advice that i have for everyone listening is the advice that I have for myself and that I try to follow myself and I find it challenging, but the most helpful. (laughs) It's get your eschatology right. What do you actually believe about the gospel, about the direction of your life, God's plan for the world Mm -hmm. on a kind of dramatic note, how how it all ends? What is your theology? Because if you really believe that you are a child of God yeah. and you've really internalized that and it's it's in every choice that you make, it's in your thoughts, it's in the way that you approach the world, I think then you have kind of a right order of desires or things automatically have to shuffle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's kind of, it's a big one to sit with and I feel like especially if you've grown up in church, there are so many things that we say that can feel kind of like throwaway lines. Like, do you believe in the gospel? What do you, what are you kind of made for? Yeah. Cliches. What's the meaning in life? Where's this world going? And I think we can kind of become a bit dull to how profound Mm -hmm. some of these ideas are. So I would say get your eschatology right. And I think you often do that by, Mm. by meeting with people and allowing yourself to be challenged by the way that they think, um, by being humbled by other people, by dwelling in truth and sitting with Mm -hmm. it every day and asking yourself, is that something that I believe in my head or have I actually accepted it in my heart? Now I'm living from it, figuring out where those gaps are. And then taking taking risks, I guess, where those gaps are. Wow. 
Well, what incredible wisdom you have. I couldn't agree with you more. And recently I read a quote that said, do not follow where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. And Rochelle, you are the embodiment of that. You are so inspiring. And yeah, even from a young age, you have continually stepped out and taken risks and you have traveled the world. You have done so many things that not everyone has been there by your side, but you've stepped forward and you have gone alone, but knowing that God is with you as well. Uh, so are there any final thoughts you want to share before we wrap up today? There's um, there's a short quote, if you wouldn't mind, that I'd really love mm. to share because when I was thinking about, there are actually two things I, I want to leave people with um, mm-hmm. if you're into poetry or literature or um, these are the things that really kind of speak to me and, and help me with that perspective. <clears throat> there's, there's a great movie called The Dead Poet Society and they quote a lot of classic literature in it. And so they they quote at one point Henry David Thoreau. And so this is kind of a paraphrased version of his longer poem. But the quote is, I went into the woods because I wanted to live deliberately. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life, to put to rout all that was not life, and not when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Wow. If you can, if you can grab a hold of ideas like that, I, I believe that all truth is God's truth, and so sit with the biblical truth, um, and sit with the beauty in things that are created in the world as well, because they can inspire you. Ah, oh, Rochelle, thank you so much for sharing with us today all of your advice and sharing the journey that you've been on. And we look forward to seeing all that's to come in the future. So thank you. Thanks so much, Beck. All the best, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of More Than Talk. If you know of anyone that's making a difference in their world, we would love to have them on the podcast. So please message us via Instagram at morethantalk underscore podcast. We also would love for you to join our community. So follow us, subscribe, leave a review and share this podcast around as we believe these stories will not only inspire, but challenge us to do more than just talk 